This episode is sponsored by Oribi. Hey guys, I've got a quick question for you. How many of you are tired of using Google Analytics? I bet quite a few of you are raising your hands right now. Understanding where and why you lose site visitors before they convert is hard. With Google Analytics, you not only have to get your developers involved with coding events, but you also have to struggle through endless piles of data just to figure out what's causing your leads to drop out. Seriously, it's kind of a nightmare. Well, you'll be excited to hear that there's now a better way to analyze your website and get actionable insights. Meet Oribi. Oribi is a unique marketing analytics tool that captures all the events visitors perform on your website without using any code. Oribi enables you to analyze visitor behavior patterns, build smart funnels, and get tons of insights so you always know what your next step is. Finally, you'll be able to understand your visitors and know what to change in order to convert more. No more blind spots. To start your free trial, visit oribi.io slash district or use the coupon code district and get a free 14-day trial today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about why is it so difficult to sell your SaaS product through agency partners. Today, we have our guest and expert, Sunir Shah, joining us. Sunir is a marketer, developer, and a startup guy. He's the founder of AppBind, a SaaS subscriptions management tool for resellers and agency. AppBind lets you subscribe to software and ads for clients without using your own credit card, uh, where this cloud-based billing solution enables trustful communication between agencies and the clients, which we'll talk about today. So welcome, Sunir. Super excited to have you on the SaaS District Show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm a marketer. I'm an engineer. You didn't mention the other thing I put in my profile, which is my bad dancer. Really key. <laughs> bad dancer. That's, that's the most important part here. Yeah, that's right. yeah, I'm also an engineer, so that's cool. I guess we got two engineers on the call, uh, marketers now. And also working. You know, well, SaaS, I ended so up in marketing through a series of unfortunate life decision, decisions, as I like to say. Uh, how did you end up in marketing as an engineer? Uh, probably the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. The parties are better. Like, the parties are better. Definitely, I agree. The engineering parties are pretty lame. I agree. <laughs> Terrible at Quake, and then they threw me out. Anyway. So love, love to hear. I mean, other, like, we'll see your dance skills, save it for the end for people who stick to the end. But uh, for for people who are, want to know more about AppBind, um, you know, what what are the what are you trying to solve here? You know, some some billing challenges that partners face. Uh, that, you know, and then you're also obviously combining you know multiple SaaS products into a, a bundle. If I'm trying to sell it as a reseller, tell us tell us more how that works. Yeah, like let's just focus for there's two sides, right? So let's just focus on the part closer to the customer. So what does the customer want? They just they hire a contractor, like a marketing agency or an IT consultant or an accountant to just take care of some business problem. And, you know, if it was a plumber, they would never send you to the hardware store to buy your own pipes, you know, check valves or pumps. You know, if your basement's flooded, that would make no sense. You would fire that plumber. Uh, but, you know, what's happening in the age of subscriptions, all these agencies have to bother and burden their clients with all setting up their own subscriptions, uh, which is, you know, time consuming, confusing, stressful for the client who already doesn't have time or expertise. That's why they hired you. AppBind allows you to, you know, take care of a client without getting yourself stuck in the middle of the subscription. Uh, we create a shared email and shared virtual credit card that allows you to sign up on behalf of a client forward all the emails and the credit card charges and the expenses directly to a client that allows you to manage it on their behalf and just take care of the project and, you know, be a really good contractor for them. And, you know, from the SaaS point of view, looking at the other side of the table, a lot of these SaaS companies have been struggling, you know, why is it so hard to sell 
SaaS three agency partners is like, well, they just don't have a way to bring your product to the client without themselves taking on a ton of risk, which they can't afford to have. And, you know, we very cleanly solved that problem, you know, with a drop-in solution. So, you know, it makes everyone's lives a lot better and allows more SaaS to go to more small businesses, medium-sized businesses. We just need contractors to help them get going. That's what we do. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I mean, if, so if I'm an agency owner, I'm a consultant, I'm working with multiple clients, right? And typically the way I've done it is, okay, I'm, I'm, I go to, exactly, I go to the, the SaaS founder and say, hey, look, we've got this solution, whatever the CRM, let's let's move over here. Here's the link, sign up. And I kind of wait, hey, uh, you know, can you give me login, give me access, give it to the team. And then you get them to, to kind of do it. And then maybe you keep track of everything in a, in a spreadsheet or somewhere for people to use, right? Um, so rather than asking them to sign up directly, or, or whether it's a SaaS student or a vendor, how is what's the efficiency here? How are you saving them time, and why should I consider this versus you know the way I'm I'm doing it previously? Well, like what is the solution? So when I was at FreshBooks, I started the marketing team there, and then the partnership team. I spent like uh, four hundred thousand dollars, I think, trying to build a reseller experience, so what we called a reseller experience. And it had two problems. One, first, reselling is not a concept that agencies even like. You know, <laughs> that's just something we should talk about. Why is it so hard to sell SaaS through agency partners? It's like they don't sell SaaS. So, uh, uh, what are they selling? <laughs> we talk about that. We should talk about that. But really, like, um, you know, real, realistically, these these companies, these service companies, just need the materials to deliver the solution. And if it was a box of software, they go down to Staples and buy, you know, QuickBooks or you know, FileMaker Pro or whatever it was in the day. Uh, you can't just buy a subscription because the data belongs to the customer. So how do I right. create accounts that I manage, uh, but the customer owns and controls? And you can't pay for it either because then you're, got, you're stuck in the middle of the billing. The, the subscription is your credit card. You got to keep track of that. And you're liable, you know, if the customer fades out on you for that financial risk, which is, you know, too much uh, for you. And, you know, there are millions of terrible solutions, mostly, you know, it's referrals. You get your clients to deal with it directly. That's also super risky because your clients first are annoyed. They're going to get all annoyed. You just you just can't ask the client to deal with it. So like you only get like two 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 cracks of the pinata before they just get mad at you and they'll fire you, right? And they'll have to staff up internally eventually and get rid of you that way to manage the tech stack. Uh, but also the vendors will start talking to your clients, and that's always always chaos. Uh, so. Uh, what, where, what are you left with? So, you know, people have the workaround where they put it on their credit card and they have a spreadsheet or they use LastPass. Uh, the problem with that is you're still stuck. You have to be able to transfer the subscriptions. And this is what I realized that we, uh, we needed to solve. So app on, you know, like I said, what we do, like, what's the subscription, the email you sign up with and the credit card you pay with? Never once, ever, never as an agency should you ever use your own email and credit card in a client's subscription. And no SaaS vendor, SaaS vendors do ask, like they think the agency is a customer. The agency is not the customer. It's like they're not gifting the subscription to the client. Like how are they paying for that? A bake sale? Like I don't understand what these SaaS mm -hmm. companies are thinking about. The client's paying them. It belongs to them. So like the agency, you know, they shouldn't be putting their email and credit card in. No one should be asking them to putting their own credit card in. Uh, so what we do is we create a shared email address that forwards emails to you as an agency. Um, that So you can manage the account, you know, sign up emails, product alerts. You're managing the account. You're the person taking care of it for the client. Also forwards all these administration emails to the client. So they always have ownership. That's one. And number two, we create a virtual credit card that, you know, you can put it into the... You used to pay for the SaaS company like any... It's just a credit card. Just throw it in the billing form. But key for this kind of virtual card is that it charges your customer instead of you because we, you know, you would send the client 
um, you know, a bill. We create a subscription order, a purchase order. They put their payment method in, and then you can buy whatever subscriptions on the project you need. You know, not just one, but you know, you're going to use multiple things. So you might have Mailchimp, you might have Facebook ads, you might have Unbounce. You'll be building a system. Uh, you are free to build an entire, say, marketing funnel out for them through all these products. You know, on the mm. same on the same order, and the client only has to put the credit card in once, and then all these virtual cards and emails allow you to manage all these subscriptions. You know, and the key thing is at the end, uh, these things belong to the client. You have to transfer the subscriptions to them. With AppBind, it's simple. You just click transfer and away they go. Uh, you know, projects come and go, but client referrals are forever. You know, anxious clients are always worried about their data at the end of the project, but you're like, no, nope, everything belongs to you. Like I said, you know, everything's organized in one place. Everything's in your control. Everything I build for you, you own. Here it is. Click here's the whole system. And the client's like, wow, that was really professional. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really professional. I'm going to keep referring clients to you in the future. And like, that's great. And meanwhile, you know, you don't want to spend a day, you know, dealing with a client that's leaving, updating their billing. You're like, thank you. Goodbye. I have other clients to go click. Goodbye. Bye-bye. And you can move yeah. on with your life as an agency without feeling the pinch that you might have subscriptions hitting your credit card in the future. And it's like all these little things that actually have stopped people from managing uh, technology for clients, which is the loss mm of the opportunity for the agencies, you know. No, this is really, this is really helpful. I mean, I could see like, you know, I've worked with some, you know, SaaS companies where, you know, okay, we have all these preferred vendors, but we're going to work with them. Um, and then I'm going to send you here's invoice from them, invoice from them, you know, subscription here, subscription there. And then you just kind of wait and you know, they're, they're kind of slow to pay. Um, one thing you mentioned though, is that, you know, if, uh, how do you set the restrictions there, right? If, if you're like, okay, here's the virtual credit card, go ahead and add it to the app buy. And then I go click, 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 click and add it. And then like, hold on, I didn't agree to this. Um, is there some kind of you know, control there for... Yeah, yeah, no, no, it has to be authorized. So, yeah. I mean, you're acting as a cl- as, as a client when you're doing the purchasing. Yeah. So you need okay. authorization because you're signing with, a, with your name. So this is why we create something called a subscription order, like a purchase mm-hmm. order, but it handles okay. the ongoing recurring charges. So mm-hmm. you list out, you know, it's like anything. You go to the auto mechanic, they're going to tell you on the quote what the parts right. are going to be before they do it, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're going to give them authorization to fix this problem. You're going to like agree to something. So with mm-hmm. AppBind, we send, you know, the set of subscriptions you want to subscribe to, or if you want, you know, the, the blanket authorization to go do whatever for the project, for the client, you can ask for that. You're, 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 they agree. And then you set a budget uh, for the project with AppBind. So, you know, it works like a, like a, you've never been to, Starbucks or you've been on a subway that tap card. It's just like a minute. It just, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a top up budget. So once it goes blows a threshold, a re up to a, you know, whatever balance you want to set. So there's always money floating around. That money belongs to the client. We're holding it in trust. It's refundable to them, but it allows them to control how much money is outstanding for you to go and make the purchases. And then you, of course, know there's money available to, you know, to run the, the expenses. So you're not putting your own money at risk. And you can okay. set a monthly limit as well. So just like Facebook ads or whatever. So the client knows that no matter what, uh, there's a break on how much money they're going to spend with you before you, you know, uh, intervene and deal with it. Uh, so everything's about trust and transparency and authorization. But the point is, that there's now a, a way to have that conversation in a systematic way, and and the mechanic to then manage how the money is managed, and then of course the ownership of the subscriptions are managed. There's no, there was nothing, there's nothing like this. And the closest thing like it was each SaaS company would just build their own little siloed reseller exactly. portal, but it doesn't help you with your accounting, right? And it doesn't help you with the other products you need. And this, this is, we needed a tool for the agencies to manage the software vendors rather than the software vendors managing the agencies. And that was the thing I learned when I was at FreshBooks is no matter what you do at the SaaS company, you can't solve this problem for your channel partners. You just can't. 
So I want to use an example there. So I mean, I, I agree with that, that, you know, generally let's use like web hosting, right? So that's a simple one. Maybe people can understand. They have a reseller program. People might, I mean, there's a benefit there. You said, okay, agency shouldn't be selling the product, but okay, well, I always like using this, this hosting, what it's called Cloudways. I love Cloudways. I want to set up with a reseller program. I, I'm always going to use this, this, this platform because I trust it and I can resell it for, for X dollars. Um, even though I'm not, you said maybe there's an issue there. People, we can talk about why we shouldn't be selling it. And there's also the part of like, you know, there's that risk of issue of like, okay, the client doesn't pay me. I, I kind of have some control here. Right? I think that's another thing people say like, oh, they, you know, I create all the website, I design and they decide not to pay or they disappear. Okay. I have control over the domain. So maybe just talk about that kind of uh, issue there. For Yeah, this is actually a very mm-hmm. interesting part of the story. And as the years will go forward, it will get tighter for the agencies in this model. So mm-hmm. it is happening and we support it in AppBind. So with Cloudways, like they will offer you a discounted subscription and you are effectively a landlord and you have tenants, which is your clients. That when you're a landlord, you are the building. You are so you are representing to the client that you are Cloudways. You are the software company. So you have 100% of the data liability. That and the, you know, so unless Cloudways indemnifies you, which I'm, they, no matter what they do, they can't. Uh, it, you are the software company to the client, and that is what you are doing. And I and you know, I just don't think that is going to work in the future because you actually have no control over the servers. Anyway, you you can do that. Um, the issues here with the reseller model when you're, is one, uh, they're discounting the subscription to you. So you have to retail the subscription to the client. So you have to handle the invoicing, which means every month, because you know, it changes price, Cloudways, because it's bandwidth and storage, right? So it's hosting. It changes price every month. You're going to have to handle the bookkeeping on that. With AppBind, uh, you can just say, I have a 50% discount for Cloudways. And we will, you know, if you get charged $50, we'll show, we'll show the client $100. You don't have to think about it. And if it goes up to $60 the next month, we'll automatically change it to $120. The client will do that for you. So you don't have to think about it. And then if you want to offer a discount from the margin there, you can also put in, a, you know, I offer them a 20% discount in AppBind. And, you know, the discount comes off the retail price automatically. You don't have to think about it. You know, uh, we'll automatically handle that. Uh, the issue, though, comes when they're offboarding. How do you actually transfer a uh, subscription? And they have the right as a client to ask for it. Um, and so you have each of those SaaS vendors has to offer uh, account transfer, which most of them don't really. Some of them do. Uh, but you have to be careful, right? Because technically, under the rules... Uh, I mean, we're in Canada, right? So you and I are in Canada. We have a privacy law, you know, like a GDPR, PEPITA. Clients have the right to see their entire building history so they can see your partner discount uh, on the subscription. So, you know, I know this happens and we will support it from the agency's point of view. If I was a SaaS vendor, I was giving you advice, don't do this. Uh, don't set up your agency partners as uh, software companies. They, they're not. They're not you. They're really working for the client. They, they're, more, they're there to manage the subscription. Uh, and if you're going to give them a margin, don't put the margin on the customer bill because the customers have the right now you know, they have a legal right to see their entire billing history so they can see your commercial terms to your partners. That's inappropriate to mix the commercial relationships between the client, the customer, and, and the partner. Uh, provide the margin through a rebate on the back end, like a referral commission or a resale commission on the back end. And this is mm. you know, what Microsoft does. That's the correct way to do it. You know, and, you know, that's what AppBind will support, is that everything always belongs to the customer, always. And you, as the agency, are managing it for the customer. You still have the 
you still have that power of like the customer is not going to leave you because managing the site, you know, and plus everything that goes along with the system is quite complicated, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as you're providing the system, the client's going to stick with you. You're not holding them hostage on the particular domain. You're holding them hostage because they don't have any staff. Right? Mm, yeah. And that's, what, that's the real value you should be providing. And actually what we found on AppBind is that the agencies are using AppBind. They, some of them, you know, have this attitude. Like we, we want to own the, we want to own the software. I'm like, well, then you, you can, but then you, you have to be, you know, you're going to have to represent all that stock to compliance stuff that the software vendors have. Like you can't do that. You're not set up for it. Right. Um, but if you take this other model, uh, what we have found, and it's true, it was like the clients, because of the, they start trusting you. They, it's, we create a system of trust. The clients allow you to start building more and more and more for them that the mm-hmm. actually scope of the project start expanding. Right. And therefore, the service revenue expands. And the more you're doing for the clients, right, the less they're going to get rid of you because you are, you know, you're their guy or gal or whatever to, who's taking care of marketing or development. You're the person that is going to rely on you now, um, you know, and they're not going to get rid of you if you're delivering increasing value. And in fact, you can expand your your, your value. 100%. But if you hold them hostage, they're not going to give you anything more because they can't trust you. But that's yeah. really the, you know, and that's, we found that consistently. Like you, you'd be surprised that people's like service revenue starts expanding on Alpine because they can do a lot more. Yeah, one, one thing, so I do like the virtual credit cards. Maybe if you can chat a little bit more, you know, how, how that works. I'm trying to understand it a little better in my mind, but um, I know they're becoming obviously more popular on the internet and, and kind of being commercialized. The issue is I, I can see a lot of, you know, purchase orders, uh, invoices are traditionally paid. You know, I could see you know twenty thousand dollar invoice. You know, I don't know if they want to put it on the credit card. They're gonna say, you know, let's do you know wire transfer, e transfer, uh, or you know even PayPal. Do you guys, do you guys work with that, or is this only credit card and you know generally some kind of subscription here? Uh, well, virtual payment methods just to say in general, there will be virtual bank accounts and virtual ACH that is relatively delayed because of the pandemic, but it will okay. be here eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just for us. I mean, in the in the industry, they're just very slow in the United States. Yeah. In Europe, they have virtual bank accounts, um, but not in the United States. But mm-hmm. the, the point of, of virtualization is this. Uh, when you have one credit card or one bank account covering your entire operational stack, you, have what, you still have a single point of failure. Right. which is your one payment method. And mm-hmm. how many times is your, is your credit card stolen, expired, canceled? Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you have staff that turn over, that their card has to be changed? Uh, this is not, you know, good business management to have one, have one payment method being the center of all your subscriptions. And so this is why the value of virtual cards and eventually virtual bank accounts to pay for subscriptions makes sense. Also, it's a defense against you're basically handing direct access to your bank account to a vendor when you give them a credit card. I mean, everyone, that's the problem with stolen cards from vendors. And, uh, you know, so when you give them a unique, a unique virtual card, if people don't know what a virtual credit card is at this point, what it is, it's just a, it's a new credit card number that is, that we generate usually one time per, per transaction or one time per person so that it's it's separate from your core bank account it just runs in front like a virtual phone number this is actually this is so this is dynamic is it tied to your original credit card like you have to put in the, their credit card is it tied to the bank account and then the the front end number just changes well the way appine works is, is uh you put in a bank account or credit card into one side of the system to fund appine you create a wallet and a balance and then from there we issue the 
credit card, uh, virtual right. cards. Obviously, bank accounts are cheaper than credit cards to fund it, but we'll take either. Um, okay, so you could do, you know, the, the wire the wire transfer situation could could be handled with the directly, you know, uh, funding it through the, the bank account. So that that makes sense. Yeah, you could fund okay. Appine through wire ACH or credit card, and then uh, and then we'll, you can issue virtual cards to pay for vendors from there. But th mm. so the advantage of this each card is that it can every single transaction, every single relationship, every single contract can have its own credit card number with its own special terms on it. Like so, for for instance, uh, if you know you can put spending limits on, you can put uh, in in the agency relationship you want to be doing markups like twenty five percent markup on the ad spend, you can put that in that bind. Um, and then of course you can you can turn them off individually. So and if they're stolen, it only affects that one subscription. And it's all sorts of controls you can do. And this just simply makes sense that if the subscription vendors can have one subscription record per customer, a customer should have one payment method per vendor and so that both sides control that relationship uh, and secure it. And that's why they're so popular. And the advantage of AppBind compared to other virtual card platforms is in this particularly interesting relationship where it's, I'm a service company and I have to buy something for a client, you know, I need to control the virtual card. So I need to issue a virtual card funded by somebody else, my client. And that's what we're offering. And there's nothing, there's nothing like that, you know? And mm. so, and, and our cards are transferable from one party to another and they handle all the markups and they allow, you know, the, the vendors to pay you commissions on them as well and all sorts of fun things because nice. we represent the whole relationship. So let's kind of switch gears, moving over to the the SaaS founder role. Um, you, you also have a, a system on the back where you know I can become a vendor. If I'm looking to become a vendor with my SaaS product, what what can I expect? You know, if I want to come in and start working with AppBind, you know, the, what do I what can I you know uh, expect for for my business? And then secondly, how do you handle the onboarding and user experience for the, the backend? So what I mean is, okay, I sign up for this this SaaS uh, platform. Uh, generally, the end user, like the, the SaaS founder, is going to get all these you know, communication, how it works, onboarding. They can go in and, and log in. I know sometimes the agency is probably going to handle that, but you know they probably still want to know what's what's going on at that that first stage, especially if it's a new tool they've never used before. Um, how, how do you handle that part? Okay, well, for the SaaS vendors, um, so the the issue. I should answer the question: Why is it so hard to sell SaaS or agency partners? Okay. Okay, so that's where SaaS companies come from. That's their angle they're attacking from. The issue is that the answer is that the agency partners don't sell SaaS. Like that's the answer. I was like, uh, but that's what we want. And like, well, that's, they don't do it. And if you look, actually look at the, I don't know if it's on web archive, um, but I was, if in the Wayback Machine, but you know, the original headline on AppLine, I knew, I knew it was wrong, but our original headline was targeting the agency owners, was buy software and sell it to your customers our clients, which I knew was wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been, I've worked at SaaS companies. I've been a consultant. I've been a client, but like, this was like the, I was like, I've been living in SaaS land for so long. Uh, and I had this message, like, this is what we all, all talk about. I run the trade association of all the SaaS partnership people at the cloud software associations, 4,000 SaaS partnership executives. And we, which is all we're talking about all day long. We just want to drive more sales through partners. We want sales and we call them resellers as if that's their entire purpose in life. Like your entire purpose is to resell, sell my software. I'm like, no, the agency owner is like, no, my entire purpose is to serve my clients. And, and this is why, you know, and, and this is the big lesson. I actually ended up, remember cocktail parties? Remember those before the pandemic where you actually met in person? I, <laughs> I, don't, remember what, I don't remember what they're like. Uh, 
I, I have a memory of one. Anyway, so I was at, I was running a cocktail party at Dreamforce and I decided, okay, I need to know. So I, I, I might've been inappropriate, you know, I kind of cornered them <laughs> with my friends. I blacked your drink, help me out. Tell me what the answer is. Anyway, I asked my agency. <laughs> just lay it on me. Like, don't be my friend. I, you know, I know we're friends, but just tell me why this is the stupidest message ever. And they said, I don't sell software to my clients. Okay. Yeah, I knew that. And I don't want to get stuck in the middle of billing. Okay. That answered a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And really is like, what is the problem? Like, why is this not happening? It's like, listen, it's just, it takes too much time and it's too much of a hassle, you know, but why, what do you need to do? I just need to take care of my clients. That's all they want me to do. I just need to take care of them. You know, I, and how do you grow your business? I need to sell them more services. Exactly. Like, okay. Okay. So you put that back together. It's not agency partners are selling your software. What they are doing is serving the client and they need your software to deliver the answer. And the problem is it's too damn hard, right? Because all the problems we talked about. So here's how what AppBind does if we're onboarding a new SaaS company. First, like I say, the great thing about AppBind, it does not require any changes whatsoever. We already have like 300 SaaS companies managed through AppBind, like already easily. And you know, none of them had to even know that was happening. It's done by the agencies. So what AppBind offers the SaaS companies is two things. One, if you want to offer them margins, uh, which you should, uh, to incentivize them, then you can, because we'll handle the commission through a rebate program, because we can see all the money across the credit card. You know, no referrals. Everyone hates referrals, right? There's no more channel conflict between inside sales and your partners because the agency's card is on file. It's clearly their subscription that they're managing. So it's easy to manage now the, the commissions. And then second, uh, we give you great reporting. Uh, and third, we give uh, your partners a really simple way to register in your partner program in a way that makes sense. It's not that they're going to you know get, get to talk. Like no, no agency owner really wants to talk to you unless you're going to deliver them a client. They don't want to be on a phone. They don't have time to be on a phone with you. What they want is the subscription for their client. We give you a, a drop-in order form, a purchase order form, a subscription order, where they can, you know, send. You can just throw it. It's just a landing page. It's so simple. You just like give this to your partners, and then uh, they can ask the client to put the credit card in or whatever, and then they, the partner can go ahead and manage you as a vendor. You know, they can go and manage the purchase, and it we just drops right into the flow. But this registers the partner in your partner program. So suddenly you can see them, you can see what's going on, their customers. We also show you an anonymized report of all the other products that are being bought and sold in your in your channel. So you know who's good for co-marketing and cross-selling across your tech stack, your tech partners. We give all you all these things, but the key is we align your partner program to what a solution agency needs, which is I just need this thing off the shelf so I can give it to my clients please make this simple for me. And that is transformatively different. And we saw that uh, activation rates, you know, approach 50%, which is uncommon. Usually in the, because everything's referrals, it's like 10, 15% is the common activation rate of partners. Uh, But with AppBind, you know, we saw 50% activations because it's really, if you think about it, I like this product. I need it for my client. How do I get it? Here's how you get it. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. It's like, they're just going to buy it. So argument, mm-hmm. right? With referrals, like, oh God, I have to get my client involved in the conversation with you. Well, I don't know if I want to risk that because, you know, mm-hmm. that would piss off my client. And I don't really know you and I don't really want them talking to you. So I guess I'm not going to make yes. it happen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the big difference. You know, you give the agencies the control to just make the purchase. They're going to make it happen because the client doesn't care. But if, exactly. you make the cli- if you make the client care, they're going to you have a good chance of getting a no. I mean, that's, 
that's the difference. And so what's the onboarding process for SaaS? It's like, give me a logo, <laughs> connect your bank account to the commissions, we'll configure it, and I'll give you the landing page and throw it in your email communication, you know, salute and you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's really more about how to communicate to the agencies from there on. Like talk about we support you. Talk about how we're, you know you can trust us. Talk about how we're not going to interfere with your customers. Talk about how you can build solutions. The commissions don't actually matter, but they're important as a way of investing back in the agency who's invested time in you because mm. they have to train staff. You pay commissions to pay back the time they've invested in you, right? They sell time. That's fair. That's a good way right? to put it. Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't give money to buy bags of clients from the agency because the clients can see those landing pages too, and they're like, "Did you just yeah. sell me out?" You're gonna get they're gonna get fired. The agency, right? You can't have exactly. messages like that. That's right. So we spend a lot of time with that. Yeah. Why are you referring this this product, right? Because you're getting fifty percent check from it. Yeah. Um, but but that that makes sense. I mean, your initial message is you think agencies are, are, are you know there's a here let's make extra money by selling SaaS. But yeah, I mean the, the 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 amount the dollar amount for the amount of work is just not worth it versus the, the actual service. Right? It's like oh, yeah, like you said, let's focus on the services, deliver good work, and you know that's just a tiny a bit on the back end, and and you know this is just making our lives easier at this point, right? We should talk about how agencies do make more money. I mean, it's not by selling the product. Like Plumber okay. doesn't make money by selling you a pipe, right? Exactly. Sure. Right? What they need, like what, what you do is you're selling time and expertise. So there's two things that software gives you, right? You got to think about it. You're selling time and expertise. That creates like expertise creates value. And time is the commodity that you're selling to make, you know, which the dollars are priced against. So Number one, obviously you can save time. If you bring better technology into the project, you're spending less time per client, right? To deliver the same value, right? So immediately you can do more clients. So your bandwidth increases, right? You know, and also you can bring in more labor. So you can bring, you hire more people, you can get more clients. It's a very, it's the key to scaling is bringing more technology, right? So that's number one. But also expertise is the other thing you're selling. You know, you can actually sell high value services if you're just doing everything by hand. You know, you need technology, Right to deliver higher value stuff. I mean, you look at all this AI copywriting uh, tools out there. It's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can give you a lot of power. But if you can't bring it into a client, you know, you're, you're just you're write everything by hand, like in the 19th century. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, the more technology you bring to bear, like or SEO software. You know, you, the more if you bring SEO software to a client projects, then you can do SEO work and get those retainers, right? So you need to have the power to bring in whatever tools are necessary to deliver the end result, you know, and marketing more clients, more, like the customer, the client wants more customers, more revenue. You need whatever it takes to deliver more revenue. If you're managing, if you want to go to TikTok ads, you need something to generate the TikTok ads, the, make the videos, track them. You need the, you need whatever tool allows you to do that. Right. Like you can't, you can't turn, like, why would you turn down a client who needs a TikTok ad campaign? Cause you don't, you can't, you're afraid of bringing in the technology, right? It doesn't make any sense. And so that's where software helps you grow your revenue. It saves you time and gives you higher power results. And the more, like the better results are, you know, the higher, the more you can charge. It's not that complicated, right? A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Contentfy.co, a premium podcast editing and repurposing agency for busy content creators just like you. Are you spending too much time editing your podcast and end up with no time to stay on top of also publishing, sharing, reaching new listeners, while also staying ahead of the latest podcasting trends? Don't worry, Contentfy has you covered. You no longer need to worry about spending hours editing and repurposing anymore. 
Just record your content and they handle the rest. Contentfy is an end-to-end podcast editing and repurposing agency to help you grow your podcast by editing and repurposing quickly, easily, and reliably to share all over your social networks. And if you haven't even noticed, I also use them for the SaaS District podcast. So join other busy content creators just like you and me and start saving time and money while you grow your podcast show. Visit contentfi.co to learn more today. A random stat or data, do you know how many uh, like you know pieces of software does a typical agency use? Like, you know, Do you track that? Like, is, it, is it 10? Is it 20? I can imagine it's quite a bit when they're working with funds. Yeah, it's so interesting. So at the, at the outset, uh, there are like three stages of agencies adopting technology in their practice that I've noticed. One is the, I just do, for instance, I'm just talking about marketing agencies for now, but it's the same with developers. It's going to be just, you know, it's going to be like two at the beginning, if you're doing nothing, if you're just labor, if you're just like hamster on a wheel doing labor and every client, you know, it'd be like Facebook ads or HubSpot on one side or AWS or DigitalOcean or something, right? On the dev side, you know, or it's account, it's just QuickBooks and zero, that's it. So you're, all you're doing is you're the hamster on the wheel. The wheel is like Facebook ads or whatever. Uh, and you're just, you're just labor. You're, you're, you're not doing anything. The second level is when you're just, you're, you're, you're branching out. Like, so you want to do ads plus landing pages and email capture or HubSpot plus video. You start bringing in on some other tools. Uh, people kind of tap out around five because you find that clients will not put up with it. Because the client, you're making the clients still make their own purchases, right? Right. Clients will not put up with more than five. And then they'll, they're going to realize that you can't, you are not the person who can take care of this problem for them. They will hire internally and they will fire you. Uh, mm-hmm. That will happen 100% of the time. Like if the more you get the clients to manage their own stack, the more they will have to have internal staff. And the more they have internal staff, you know, like one, someone once told me, who do you think I saw at the Christmas party? Uh, these whiz kids from Manhattan or my college kids that I had just hired because I couldn't handle with these whiz kids. Uh, the college <laughs> kids? Yeah. So who do you think I fired? The whiz kids? Who do you think was smarter? Your, your kids? No, the whiz kids from Manhattan are obviously better, but... They didn't do anything as far as he was concerned. He was a thousand years old. But, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, if you, the more you make the client do the work, the more mm-hmm. they're going to have to staff up. Um, yeah. I mean, so uh, like, and the other thing is, what were we talking about? Like why, why bring in the software? What are you, what are you getting out of it? It's, it's, it's the, like, how many pieces of software, the more you create the permission for the clients to then trust you to manage like the first five pieces of software, what happens is you end up in a, in a, in a dynamic with the client where they know uh, you can just take care of it for them. So then as you're spending, because you're, 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 you're the expert, you're probably spending all day long reading about marketing or dev or whatever. Well, this is a new tool that came out, like Jarvis, you know, Jarvis AI, a great tool, right? Yeah. I want to use this. So like clients like, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't know anything about what you do for a living, you know? <laughs> No, I make chocolate for a living. You use Jarvis. I don't know what that is. Sure. It sounds like from the Avengers. Like, yeah, don't worry. I'll take care of it for you. Right. And then you're free to bring in more and more technology. And what we found is it goes from five to like 15, like pretty quickly. And then suddenly you're, you know, you're selling, you know, you started off with social media management and then you're doing copywriting and then you're doing advertising and then you're doing, you know, email marketing. You, you can start mm. selling more and more and more things because you have the freedom and the trust and the power to go ahead and build that client. And that, you know, that's, 
So it's, it's how, how you communicate it, right? So, I mean, you, you could say, okay, look, we got this, we, we want to start, you know, building out more content for you. I guess that's the first message. Uh, we've, we found a way to be more efficient and rather than producing X, we can now produce Y volume. And here's a tool that I think you should look at uh, because if we use it, you know, we're going to exponentially grow and, you know, have more volume for you. Hey, this is, do you send them over and say, Hey, here's Jarvis. This is the cost. Uh, do you want us to, to start using it? And this is what we expect or, or how would, how would you handle that? Well, like, you know, like what, what is, what is the reality of a client? You know, every client is, is they only hire you because they're freaking out. That's the hundred percent reason, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, it's they have to because like they yeah. would they would go to internal staff like they would never hire someone outside the organization unless their anxiety had reached a level where they just can't take it anymore and they're willing to go sorry staff need someone from outside we're going to hire this person mm-hmm. you know and it's kind of an insult to staff right <laughs> that you can't handle it it yeah. is it's really a big deal to go to contractor mm-hmm. so uh the anxiety has to be really high and the the worst I learned this when I was consulting. Uh, the only thing you're selling to the client, no matter what kind of contractor you are, whether you're a marketing agency or a dev agency or an accountant or a nail salon or a physician, it's the same thing. You know, it's always the same thing. I want to bring you back into control of your life and make you feel calm again. So, you know, a, a marketing agency is bringing the, the, the revenue under control. A developing agency is bringing the product under control. A nail salon might be bringing the bride's feelings under control before she goes to her wedding, right? It's the same idea. You're basically selling calm and control, and that's worth a lot of money to people, right? And so if you increase their anxiety and fear and risk, uh, they're going to fire you because you just broke the, the promise, right? And so- right. What are you selling to someone? It's like, well, I want to bring Jarvis in. They don't care about Jarvis. What do they care about? More customers. And you say, well, this will bring in more customers. And if you got the, the, the relationship where they trust you to take care of the more customer problem, you know, the revenue problem, like, okay, you say you, we need Jarvis. Sure. I don't know. How much does it cost? Okay. Just, can you take care of it for me? Yeah. And can you do it yesterday? Yeah. I'll invite a time machine. I'll go back in time. <laughs> I'll take care of it. No problem. Good. I'm, I'm freaking out now. Yeah, we know. Bring it under control. We're managing your client revenue. And honestly, if you can continue delivering the promise, I'll take care of it, meaning whatever is freaking them out for them. You know, think about how much space you have to grow with that client and how much they're going to love you and never get rid of you and how much your value will increase. Mm -hmm. That is the difference between just being inside Facebook ads. You're replaceable if you're the hamster in the wheel. Right. Right. The wheel is the important part. Actually, one agency said this to me, and I like this. Like he was talking about HubSpot agency, and they were saying, you know, so what do I own? What do I own as an agency? I know you have your agency, you have your staff, your brand, your content, your podcast. It's like, no, none of that matters. It's only what gives me money every month. You know, every month I have to start the business again. What, what do you mean? Well, I have to find a whole bunch of new clients. Why? Because the clients only stick with me. I, I do the implementation setup and onboarding, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing to do. You know, I'm just the sprinkles. Selling the donut. What's the donut then? HubSpot. HubSpot makes all the money. You know, I'm convincing the client to buy HubSpot. I'm just sprinkles. You know, mm. what do I own? It's like, oh, okay, interesting. But if you owned your expertise, you would own the technology it meant to build up the system. You don't have to write a line of code, but that whole system you're putting together of all the different products and the result, you have to own that and take responsibility for that, you know, and mm. say to the client, yes, you can come to me. I'll take care of it for you. I'll own this problem. You own something, right? That is substantively yours. And then suddenly retainers go through three years. Value goes up. You know, client happiness goes through the roof. 
right. it, is, it is a big difference when you can say, yes, I'll take care of it for you from, yeah. you no, know, can you take care of it for yourself? That's a huge, that's a huge change in the conversation. Mm, nice. So you just keep, you're, you're the magic sprinkler who keeps sprinkling on the donut until you have that perfect donut, right? You got to keep it, keep it, keep it nice. <laughs> Yeah. Like you, you want you want to be the you want to be the substance. You don't want mm-hmm. to be just here today, gone tomorrow. You don't want to right. just be the person doing installs, right? You want mm-hmm. to be doing managed services. Yeah. You know, and how many agencies are just like running around inside HubSpot or Facebook ads without doing anything more? Like right. these are good products, HubSpot and Facebook, great, you know, or Google Ads, whatever. These are all good products. Or if you're a developer just living inside AWS. They're, I mean, they're great platforms. I'm not saying anything wrong with them, but for you as a service company, you know, mm. what are you building on top of that? That is more interesting, you know, right. uh, and that's how you scale. You need to have something that you own. Right. Last question, question Sunir, and I want to kind of move on the, on the personal side. Um, so you mentioned here, you know, about integrating SaaS channels or SaaS partners, any, any best practices you can recommend, um, you know, for, for SaaS founders who are building this into their journey and maybe looking to start, how, how do they get started to keep it simple and then how to build it also for, for scale in the future? Yeah, okay. So if we're just talking about uh, service companies for now, I'm going to talk about tech partners in a different day. And I, you know, if, by the way, if anyone's interested in partnerships, the first thing you should do is join the Cloud Software Association. So cloudsoftwareassociation.com. It's free. You should buy drinks occasionally. That's our only request. But it's where all the partnership people hang out because we needed that. And so it's an instant network to 4,000 plus SaaS partnership people across every company and industry. So that's the first thing you should do. But more pragmatically beyond that, um, how do you actually identify partners? The first thing you should realize is most SaaS companies, especially in the S, like small and medium tiers segments, mm-hmm. your channel is actually the shadow channel because surprisingly, uh, your partners, like I said, do not want to talk to you because they don't have time. They sell time for a living. Getting on a phone call with you is not helping them unless it helps the clients. So uh, most will just self-serve through this kind of process. So the first thing you should do is a partner team is start surveying uh, new signups. Uh, you can do it in the signup form or an email or whatever, and just get a sense. Uh, or, I mean, I would do it all the time. Are you signing up? Uh, you ask the, ask the people signing up, are you signing up uh, yourself, for yourself or on behalf of another company? If you're signing off yourself, are you, are you, are you going to implement this yourself or are you going to, are you working with another company to implement it? This will help you identify how many people are actually working with a service partner. And you can offer uh, content or onboarding guides specifically to a third party or whatever, like email, like put their email in to email the onboarding guide or invite them in or whatever to start getting the, you know, get, getting to know the other people because that kind of registers them into some kind of partnership flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing you could do as well, if your accounts have multiple users is check their domains of the users, if they have multiple domains, obviously filter out web mails, but um, check the domain. If there's multiple company domains in an account, it's very likely to be uh, managed by some contractor, which gets you start reaching out to them. And you just ask them, hey, are you, are you, uh, are you a service company who's using this for your clients? Uh, and then, you know, we, you know we, we can support you with that. And then you can offer them then partner benefits, which are based around trust because they sell trust, right? Mm, so right. to the clients, they need to trust you. And it's not about them selling more, like they don't sell your software, they don't care. It's about them getting the support they need in order to drive more uh, value to the clients. So you can show them first, 
you know, we can put you in front, you can give, we can give you a dedicated partner, partner rep. So you can have elevated, escalated support, you know, I knew those partner support reps better be on, on their, on their game, but then you, they have a direct line to support. Also, you're going to feed them product announcements ahead of time. If you have clients that, that need partners, you can refer that you can offer them the, re, the reverse referrals, referring them customers. You can put them in the blog. You can promote them with co-marketing because they're always looking for a new clientele. Uh, you can also show them case studies of other service companies who've built, you know, retainers or service services around your product. This is what other people have been doing. Like they're already familiar. These are your shadow channel. They're already familiar with your product. They may not be familiar with how to then turn it into a business line. And you can show them, well, this is the opportunity here. And then you can invite them into some kind of passive community because they don't want to be on the phone with you. So whether it's a, a it's like a secret partner blog or Slack community or mailing list, this is where we're all communicating. Here, uh, invite them in so it's passive, and then try to get them on a phone call. Uh, so th- those are all very simple tactics. It sounds like a lot, but it's like a progression, mm-hmm. like one simple tactic at a time. Uh, and then the final thing I would say is a lot of people un- like un- misunderstand how the partner channel works. Like, there's the pipeline isn't isn't like straight line. I I want to be a partner to a sale in like sixty days. That's not how partnerships work. Partners need to trust you. So the pipeline there's actually two pipelines. There's the the first pipeline where the partner is learning about you and learning to trust you, and that that you know that will go through some number of weeks. You know, like we'll be done in sixty days. No, there could be no customers coming from that for nine months, eighteen months, right? Because they will do nothing until a client needs you. Nothing, right? They just learned about you. They understand you. They trust you. They feel comfortable with you. And then when a client needs you, then suddenly things have to happen very very quickly. And then a new pipeline starts. A second pipeline starts. With a client activation. So you need a partner activation where they're ready mm-hmm. and a client activation pipeline where they're going to sell, you know, bring you into a sales process. So in between, you need to keep them, you know, engaged with you by reminding them you exist, creating value for them, uh, you know, showcasing other partners. So there's a little bit of FOMO, like people are working with us, they're getting more uh, and prove to them, you know, that it's a two-way partnership between you and your partner ecosystem. Uh, yeah, you know, it's all about the timing, right? And I think that's where I see probably the the biggest opportunity. And people probably don't spend enough time, but you know, but it, it does take some time, like you said, right, to to engage that community, that list uh, of uh, of people you have on your network, and uh, trying to keep them ready and on their toes, and maybe push them a little bit, right? And that's uh, and giving them some assets or uh, case yeah. studies to show. Oh, I, I didn't know I could do it this way, or hey, that maybe I can try this, and you know, something something comes out of it. So. And like I said uh, earlier as well, I mean, this is where AppLine fits in. This is why we have activation rates. A lot of the agencies would just buy it if they could. But if Mm. you make them bring a client to you, they won't. They can't. Mm. It's a a huge objection, right? You can't overcome. So, I mean, this is what AppLine solves. So you should come talk to us. But we would give you an instant way to just put this in front of them. Like, hey, if you just want to get this, use this. And, uh, you know, you can make the purchase and done. Uh, And you can... That's actually, you know... Half the time is the objection. I just don't even know how to make like bring this into my client projects. I can't control it. Uh, yeah, so that's a very simple objection to overcome using AppBind. Cool. Uh, so near kind of shifting gears here, I want to go on, on the the personal side and a little bit of the rapid fire questions. Um, so just to, I guess just understand quickly for people to understand you, um, where are you guys in terms of size today, and have you guys raised capital or completely bootstrapped? Yeah, so we are three full time. Uh, two engineers and me, and then we have a marketing agency uh, as well. And then I also have the Cloud Software Association, which is its own little team of people, but that's a nonprofit trade association, uh, which is, I don't know, it's like five people over there. 
Um, and then we raised for AppBind. Uh, well, we haven't announced it, but we just raised another 1.1 million seed with the lead investor uh, FFVC, which is great. Um, and then we raised previously, uh, I guess we in total, we raised about two, two and a half million dollars to get to where we are, yeah. And what's kind of your, your what was your vision when you first started AppBind? Was there was there an exit planned? And you know, how's it evolved over time? You're saying, okay, uh, where do you want to take this in you know, five to 10 years? Yeah, I want to get rich enough that I can buy my hair back. That's the goal. That's an expensive goal. I don't know. <laughs> or, yeah. or you could do this podcast, uh, you know, with, with your dance, showing your highlighting your dance moves, right? right. And actually get paid for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, I, 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 I joke. So I used to be at FreshBooks and uh, Mike uh, is the CEO or chairman now. I uh, was a founder there, you know. Uh, like I said, I never forget it to do. So I had this to do to set up the, the partner channel where and I got, I got, stuck in this quagmire partner building it was impossible like you know we wanted to build something similar to quickbooks pro advisor which is their accounting channel we couldn't do it mm. uh and so i'm still working on that problem i just say to them i'm just slow uh so, <laughs> so my vision no my vision was to solve this problem i saw the problem from the very beginning i started off my career in the licensed software channel as a software developer and when i moved to SaaS, immediately i could i i just i got everyone gets stuck in the mud here and i needed to fix this and i created the trade association trying to solve this problem just by bringing people together. And that was not enough. So my vision is for right now, we're solving it for service companies. There's going to be uh, there's a bigger problem, which is how do you even build a retail? Like there's no value chain in SaaS. You can't like buy and sell subscriptions through multiple tiers, really. There are some products doing it, but they've invested a billion dollars, you know, like Ingram in this. Uh, it's really expensive. And I, can we bring yeah. that cost you know, like several order of magnitudes down so that more products can go to more people around the world. Our vision is simply to build a market for SaaS distribution. And there needs to be something and there really isn't. And I think our our fundamental idea of what AppBind is, you know, we kind of touched on it, is applicable. It's like, how do you turn a subscription into basically a boxed software? And it's, it's this virtualization of what is a subscription email payment method. Um, authorization is all the contract as well. Uh, yeah. We can package all that up and move it around, you know, sell it to one person, you can sell it to somebody else and manage all the flows of money and authorization and data. Uh, so our vision in the 10 year, you know, as a 10 years of, of doing this company, you know, presumably is that we've created the rails that subscriptions can actually be sold around the world through partners, through value chains, through app stores, marketplaces, you know, and that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the first I've, I've come across something like this. So I love what you're doing and I definitely see the value with it. Um, so Nir, what's one piece of advice you wish you had known and you would tell your, let's say, 25-year-old self? Well, it's a really good question. So I've been thinking about that a lot. The pandemic has really um, <laughs> made us all sit with ourselves in the basement <laughs> for, <laughs> for a very long periods of time. <laughs> Uh, I would say that uh, it's very important to cultivate a center of positivity and love in your, all your interactions. And when you're in, when you're in partnerships, uh, everyone is freaking out all the time. This is obviously clients are freaking out all the time. Partnership people are also freaking out all the time. Your CEOs are freaking out all the time. The investors are freaking out all the time. We're all dealing with a lot of risk. Uh, and one of the things you learn in partnerships, which is such a great role, is first you think the risk is the other person. Uh, and then you play this game of partnership poker where you get all tight-lipped and you like do all these kind of like crazy negotiating moves like you hear from movies and you're like give, really antagonistic and you're aggressive, you ask tough, tough questions and you're, you're difficult to work with. You're become, you're a porcupine because you're 
the porcup- you have a soft underbelly. You're scared and you're like this jerk towards other people. Uh, and you learn as a partnership manager that they're freaking out too. They're the same exact thing. And what you end up learning over time as you become more mature is how to, uh, with a positive and loving stance, acknowledge their own fears and say, you know, you're afraid too. I'm, you're afraid that I'm, you know, crazy and I'm afraid that you're crazy, but it really is the business deal that's high risk. It's just business. And how can we work on it together? And how can I help, help you as a person? And how can I take care of you as a person? And you'd be surprised how, you know, much, you know, obviously the relationships matter. I mean, I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, but they do. Uh, cause it's the fear that stops so many valuable deals happening. Uh, and you know, it's just, what you find is then you change yourself and you learn that you're the biggest risk on the deal. And that when you become a positive and loving person, uh, you suddenly find that and you cultivate that around you, you suddenly find that they will return return that. And then everything kind of changes. You no longer feel like the job is about you having to, you know, you know, you know the Steve Jobs stories where you stand on the table and ask for an extra penny. Like that's crazy. Like you should never do that. Like yeah. you create a negative environment where everyone's trying to crush you. And that's what happened to Apple. You know, they couldn't make the partnership channel work. Microsoft beat the crap out of them with mm. their partnership channel. But now yeah. they're very partner oriented, right? And now they're, you know, you end up finding that, that you, know, you can't go it alone. You have to work with partners. And then if you create a loving environment towards other people, people will love you back. And suddenly uh, opportunities come because people care about you and they'll give you to okay. help you out. So and that's the most uh, important lesson. Uh, and and generally your fears... Generally, your fear is driven by by your ego, right? So it sounds like once you have a little bit more of control of that, you you can you know drop that drop that guard and you know uh, change that change your vibe around, right? Yeah, I want my hair back. That's where my ego went. It just, like, <laughs> it went, went the same way. Yeah, they went together. <laughs> Who are what are the the best three resources? They can be you know books or or people or mentors, you, people you follow, who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years. Okay, first, uh, Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore is the absolute best marketing book by far. Mm-hmm. It tells you like literally how the structure of the network is. And secondarily, Innovator's Dilemma by Clay Christensen is also very, very good. Those two alone, extremely helpful. Podcast, I love Noah Kagan and his podcast. Uh, you know, he's very honest also about his feelings as CEO. And I think, you know, he's done very well for himself. So uh, it's worth listening to. And then last, uh, but definitely not least, for me personally, and I think anyone in a similar role, the Cloud Software Association. Like We put this together because everyone was feeling the same way. Like, I want a partnership with you, but I'm scared of you. Like, I'm scared of you too. Why don't we just drink together and get to know each other? Oh, we were all scared together. Yes. Can I help you out then? Yeah, absolutely. And it's an amazingly positive and, and, and caring organization who we all recognize we're all in the same boat together. And I find that anyone in the CSA, um, when you're dealing with someone else in the CSA, you immediately know they're going to be, it's going to be a good deal because they're, they're going to have this value set of, we're all scared, but what's the business deal? How can we help each other out? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's been a very, very transformative to not just me, I hope, and but many other thousands of people. So Love I should it. join that. Yeah, definitely. We'll add uh, all those links to our show notes for, for people to check out the books and the podcast, as well as the association. Um, Sunir, what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, business, financially, life, there's no no right answer. Uh, Joy. I mean, um, I I, I haven't thinking about this. The pandemic has really 
put a lot of time in my front of me. <laughs> so I was telling my wife, like, I don't really know, like, uh, what am I striving towards? I achieved all the things I wanted as a child, like as a teenager. I'm married, I have three kids, I live in a nice house, in a nice neighborhood, in a nice place. Uh, I'm basically an aristocrat, as, as you are, I'm sure. It's very hard to fail out of tech once you're in it. Like, we'll be f- we're going to retire fine, probably, mm-hmm. right? You know, unless you do something crazy. So, uh, so what am I working hard for? And, you know, I, you know, it's life is still stressful, but is the stress not in a, a creation of our selves, our minds? Cause we're career oriented people. Like we, I don't have to work hard at a startup. I don't have to do any of that stuff. So why am I doing it? Um, first it's ego. Like I want to have pride that I built something, but I also truly enjoy helping people. That's personally the only thing that matters to me. Like I'm, we're all going to die. And so I want to make sure that in my time here that I've helped people and I feel that and, so joy is really my goal for myself and for others. Uh, I mean, you could see who's on my wall, you know, mm. Gandhi over here. That was my gift to myself in 2020 because I couldn't stand the pandemic. A reminder of, uh, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Um, mm. You know, and I think, I think, you know, what's, what's success in life is, is, is not being trapped in, in, in these kind of material or, or pugilistic goals, but seeing everyone happier and more joyful around you, you know, even with business, you know. Exactly. And generally that purpose comes from, from giving and that's how you get that joy is from, from external, you know, seeing the, the joy of giving to others and seeing the impact of what you do versus what you mentioned. Actually, that's the reverse where the ego is, you know, yourself like, okay, what can I do for myself? How can I make more money and, you know, accumulate all these assets. So let's glad, I'm glad you, you made, you found that shift and you're seeing um, the other side of success. So great, great answer. Love it. Uh, Sunir, where can uh, founders or agencies or consultants listening in get in touch with you, learn more about you and your startup, AppBind? Okay. Uh, AppBind is appbind.com. So alpha, Peter, Peter, Bravo, India, November, Delta.com, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so appbind.com. So if you're an agency trying to figure out how you can take care of clients better without the wasting time or burdening your clients, you can set up the subscriptions yourself, appbind.com. And if you're a SaaS company trying to work through service uh, channel and wondering why activation rates are so low. Uh, come talk to us. We can help remove the biggest objection. Like no client, no agency wants a client to talk to you. Like that doesn't, like that's the whole problem. Uh, we can solve solve that problem for you. And then of course I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Senior Shah, easy to find. And cloudsoftwareassociation.com. Uh, we do buy drinks when we get to do that again. I think we'll soon, soon. Uh, we, will, we will be together again. So uh, come awesome. find me there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunir. It was great chatting with you on Sassy Strict Show today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Shaquille. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, Get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.